0: Welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. We're back in the sunny valleys of Cali. and <laughs> with, <laughs> Tim, the man,
1: with the man who laid the tracks for um, circular economy and e-waste, isn't it?
0: It's, it's crazy because you think about it, that's 20 years of history and 20 years seems like a lot, but it's not really a lot. And um, we speak a little bit about some gadgets which people recycle to the COVID <laughs> pandemic. But, and, how um, to keep fit, uh, and how to keep fit. And how to keep fit, aka Arnold Schwarzenegger Advice. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we need to say more than this. So, um, yeah, you guys all enjoy this episode. It's with John Sigarian, who is the founder and yeah. um, CEO of ERI. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Still in the US, still in the sustainability business. Welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. This time with um, John Shigerian. Um, John Shigerian has um, how can I say that? John Shigerian has um, not let us wait for quite a time until we got him on the podcast. But I think um, yeah, it's been something we've looking forward to uh, for, for quite a quite a while now. Because John Shigerian is actually the guy who is at the root of all these things we've been talking um, uh, of, uh, namely sustainability and uh, how you can make digital infrastructure and especially data centers and all that hardware uh, more sustainable, perhaps. So for those who don't know him, he will introduce himself in a bit, but he is the chairman um, of ERI, and ERI is in the U.S. the largest end-to-end e-waste Recycler, Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, and uh, yeah, we're glad to have you here. How are you today?
2: I'm wonderful, and it's just an honor to be with you guys. Unfortunately, I wish I was with you in person in the UK. I love (laughs) London. I love the UK, but I look forward to being with you in the hopefully very near future as science continues to win the uh, battle against COVID. Uh, I look forward to breaking bread with both of you uh, in the near future in 2021 in the UK. It's going to happen.
1: It's gonna happen, and it's gonna be Indian bread in West London or somewhere. All
2: good <laughs> by me. Now I'm hungry. Now
1: I'm hungry. <laughs> all right, all right. Where, where are you? Where are you uh, currently located? I'm,
2: I'm in Fresno, California, in our in our uh, main headquarters, where this is where the center and ERI started in mm-hmm. Fresno, California, and I'm in our headquarter office here in Fresno
0: yeah
1: we are actually quite excited to learn about the past well what is it more than 20 years uh, of history yeah. of eri and um ERE, as you say um and you've, you've you've been making quite some noise as well i see at, at some events online events um, do, done some remarks on sustainability and all that but before we go into that there's a, the usual couple of uh, questions we ask uh, our sure. guests sure. and uh <laughs> The funny thing is, we always ask about mobile phones and first computers, and um, I hope you will say, "Well, I still have my first mobile phone and first computer. I just didn't, fro- I didn't just throw them away." But uh, uh, <laughs> jokes uh, aside, um, just to allow our audience to kind of locate you in the generation you are from, what, what was your first mobile phone?
2: Oof, I, the first <laughs> thing that I owned in terms of that new. Generation of technology was a Palm Pilot, so I owned a Palm Pilot first, and then I owned uh, a, a mobile phone that was uh, like a brick, and I don't even remember. Oh, the first mobile phone I really had now that I, now that you asked that question was in nineteen. Uh, I'm gonna think of the year. It was 1991 in my mm. car. It was in my car.
0: Oh yeah.
2: It was in my car. Uh, uh, like it was, and it was like strapped to the floor. And, uh, that was the first mobile phone I really owned because I would use it in the car, uh, going, uh, between my different business interests in Los Angeles. So that was my first mobile phone. And I got used to just talking in the car on the mobile
1: while, while driving. That was, you couldn't
2: take it with you, <laughs> taking it with you. So yeah. it was only while driving. Yeah. After that, I had a Palm Pilot, and then after that, I had something that looked like literally a brick, yeah. and it was big and heavy, and but it was great.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is this is a the thing in Switzerland. Uh, mobile phones we still call them NATEL, short for National Telephone, and right. those were actually the the huge containers you had in your car. Yes. Well, there's still some yeah some remaining. Remaining roots in the name. We uh, in the way we name our mobile phones. And um, what was your first computer first contact to? Uh, hardware computer
2: it's a funny story my um. Um, The guys I had a, a brewery and a bar and a restaurant that I owned in 1997 and 98 and it's and it remained for uh, three or four years and it was quite successful and um, and the guys who made my t-shirts were big technology guys. Their father was an importer of uh, of technology into the United States. So I had a big computer up on my desk upstairs in the restaurant, and I just remember it was big and it was bulky. It took up most of my desk, and and these guys kept telling me, "Hey, we have to get involved. We have to get involved." They said with this thing called the World Wide Web, and I had no idea what they were talking about, <laughs> and I mean, like, it was just like foreign to me. This whole computer and world wide web. And, you know, it was just, it was like the, and it was 1998 and they would come over at the end of the day, they, they'd ask me if they could come over to the restaurant in the back of the restaurant. I had a couple booths. They said, can we come over? Two brothers, the O'Brien brothers. And they said, can we have a beer together? And they'd come over once or twice a week and we'd have a beer together. And they would pitch me on ideas that we could do in this new thing called the world wide web. And, um, in 1998, uh, one of the things that they pitched me, I said, yeah, let's do that. And we did it together and it was called Financialaid.com, And, um, we started in the back of my brewery, uh, and they, they, they explained to me how we buy domains and this is 1998, the year Google was founded. I didn't have but they were, they were, they were onto it, uh, especially the brother Mike, he was really onto it. And, uh, so we bought the domain financialaid.com, and then six years later, we ran it for six years and we became the largest online, we democratized student lending online in America. So my my introduction to technology was um, uh, due to the O'Brien brothers, and, uh, and, uh, and it was very rough in the beginning, and I'm still, uh, not, I, I can't call myself an expert. I have a great technology t- team here at ERI, and they keep me very connected and do things like this that I'm doing with both of you, Tim, today, and Paul. <laughs> but um, but I just remember that very vividly. Not really understanding it all, but understanding that they were they were right. This is the next big thing, and that we have to get involved with it. And uh, there's not many people that I know that started at .com in 98 and lived to tell the story. I get to live to tell the story.
1: Great stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, there's not necessarily um, always... Um, you don't necessarily always need to be an expert to shape stuff right you just need to believe in it and have the drive and obviously perhaps the capital as well to <laughs> to fund crazy ideas as uh, the o'brien brothers what 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 um what got out uh, what got how how did they um what they are what are they today the o'brien brothers
2: they're 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 still uh, they're still on they're still in technology they're they own their own dot coms and still doing very well and also real estate but they're both very successful. We had a big, very big exit, which uh, put us in uh, uh, financially great shape for all all of our families. And it was a it was a six year run that I'll never forget. I mean, uh, they they're just great guys, and uh, we were like brothers. And uh, we started off like a real bootstrap. And we we lived through the also the rec- you know the day of reckoning where everything went away. Um, uh, pets.com and Webvan when when the bad stuff went away. So Mike was so smart. He bought most of our servers and our furniture for five or ten cents on on the on the dollar when we were building our our little company and our .com. So we were able to bootstrap it like a real like a real entrepreneur story and build it from scratch. But before you knew it, it became a very big thing, um, and we got very lucky because timing timing yep. and luck have a lot to play any entrepreneur that doesn't give credit to both timing and good luck is just not being honest with themselves if they think it's all about them and all their whatever they think how smart they are and and everything else so much of it has to come with timing and luck mark cuban once said life is half random and he's pretty much right
1: yeah i think that's that's proven even more right in today's Crazy, complex. I mean, who, who
0: could have foreseen a pandemic?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, even the
1: dot-com the bubble. I mean, you got out before it burst, I assume. So no. no we
2: lived through it, but we had something that worked. You see, ah. the dot-com bubble that burst in 99 and 2000. Ah, was all about okay. These companies oh. that raised billions of dollars, which we didn't do. We were thrown out of every venture capitalist office, thankfully. <laughs> so. so we were thrown out of every office and raised some private money that yeah. I had to personally guarantee, like, the two doctors... That father and son that invested in us, they—I went up to their office and they—they they gave us—they gave me a check, and on yeah. the back of their on the back of their uh, prescription pad, I wrote, "I promise to repay you every one of these dollars. This is my personal guarantee." That's a real story. I personally guaranteed the return of all their capital, uh, and that's that's sort of unheard of. But when you're all in on something, that's what you got to do. But all these other dot coms raise billions of dollars. And uh, and they weren't making money. Mike and I said, "Let's raise less, but focus on making money, being a real business." And ninety days in, we were making money and never looked back.
1: Great stuff. So after this, um, was it shortly after this you got into ERE, or did well, you? Do- there was, there was a,
2: there's, a, there's a there's a bleed over. I'll explain it to you. So one of my 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 fourth or fifth employee at financialaid.com was a young man named Kevin Dillon. Kevin came to work for me in 2001. And Kevin became first a salesperson, then he ran the whole sales and marketing arm. And in 2002, he introduced me to one of his best friends down in San Diego, who was living down there, Aaron Blum, who he grew up with. And Aaron was starting in 2002, a little computer recycling company down in San Diego. So we were all big sports nuts. So we hung out a lot together, had dinners and went to sporting events. And I tracked Aaron and his recycling company, and he tracked the success of financialaid.com because we became friends. And as we moved to a liquidation event and a sales event in 2004 um, for financialaid.com, Aaron's company had grown, but he wasn't making money. And so he asked me and Kevin, would we be uh, interested in joining him at his computer recycling company? and bringing over the financial aid model of success, of making money, of marketing, of sales. And so we restructured his company, took it over, closed down San Diego, renamed the company, and moved it to Fresno. When we renamed it, we first renamed it Electronic Recyclers International. And then eventually, we just changed the name to ERI, and now our, our URL is www.eridirect.com. And Because we didn't see it as a computer problem. His his company was called Computer Recycles of America, which was interesting, but it, he just was out of college when he started this. So when you think about it, computer recycling is very narrow, and of America, it's very narrow. And as Kevin and I studied the business, we realized, wait a second, this is the backside of... The, this is the dark story of the technological revolution this is e-waste was the fastest growing solid waste stream not only in san diego or california in the world yeah. and it was really beyond computers so we we widened our, our our vision and renamed the company electronic recycles international yeah. because we wanted to have a wide vision of it when we relaunched it in fresno in 2004
1: and 5 see that's why I, that, that's what i wanted to ask you because um but maybe before this, um, let's get this point done. We're we're the uptime punks, right? So we're all about uptime. We're all about availability of digital service, um, whether it's yeah. the apps, whether it's the servers up and running. This is like kind of the holy grail of the data center industry, right? Uptime. The more you have, the better it is. And uh, it's now zeros behind the comma that count, right? But, um, I wanted, or we wanted to know from you, what's your personal definition of uptime, if you have one.
2: In terms of define uptime, with regards to me as an entrepreneur, you want when when am I my best? When when the things uh, function the uh, the uh, the best, or how do I get through a day and make the most of every minute? Explain what you want want me to share, and I'll share it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just there is obviously this this a very technological um, definition of, you know, um, servers up and running and services being available. And then just that what you said, because you you have your personal uh, report with this notion. So, um, and obviously, yeah, I
2: know. obviously
1: as an entrepreneur in the e-waste business, you perhaps say, well, uptime, hmm, at what price at uh, an ever increasing stream of e-waste, perhaps. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, you know, and by the way, just so you, I bookend it, e-waste was the fastest growing solid waste stream in the world when we got in the business. It's now the fastest growing solid waste stream in the world still by a magnitude of five times to the number two waste stream that's growing. So it's gotten even to be a bigger problem than ever before because of the proliferation and ubiquity of technology. So I just want your, your audience to understand it's still the world's biggest solid waste stream problems to this day. So when it comes to uptime, uptime has a downside. The downside is because technology doesn't look at a clock and, and interrelates with humans, it's up to the humans to try to understand how to best manage both their business time and their business uptime, and their personal uptime. So, you know, I have a methodology that I, when I mentor entrepreneurs and work it myself and create a culture at ERI and other ventures that I'm involved with, it's a unique methodology. It's, and and, you know, I'll, I'll just quickly read to you our core values of ERI. First core values, we are customer obsessed. That means the customers, when they reach out to you, You need to be there for them, whether it's on a weekend, nighttime, early morning, it doesn't matter. We're also innovators. Innovation happens at all times. I happen to be a very up person in the morning and very sharp. And as the day goes, I have to manage my energy. But at night, my creative side comes out. So I have to also, I have to make sure that I allow myself that creative space because that's when the innovation happens. In the morning, The first four hours of the day, it's about managing. At night, it's about making. And that's two unique skill sets that you need to tap into if you're going to be an innovator and also an entrepreneur. Other things that we, in terms of our core values, is we're accountable. We're inclusive. Speed matters and every second counts. And then see something, do something. It's not okay anymore just to see something and say something, you've got to do something. But speed matters. I'm not the only smart guy out there. There's tons of smart guys. And they and there's a lot of money following smart people. So to think that you could ever take your pedal off the metal. I mean, I'm 58 now and I worked all weekend. And I'm and I work day and night because this is one of the greatest opportunities I'm ever gonna have in my life to solve the e waste problem. Yeah. But being, but you gotta be up, and you gotta stay positive, and you gotta find a way to keep. If you're, you know, words don't matter as much as, as 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 where your feet are moving and and your actions, and that's what people are watching when you're a leader and you're an entrepreneur.
1: All right, let's talk about some actions. Let's talk about the last um, couple of years. Uh, I I would actually wanna. Yeah, go Uh, go ahead.
0: Sorry, no. I, I um. I'm curious, what was the first item you guys recycled?
2: Oh yeah, when you founded ERI. Yeah, it's a great question. It was mostly old desk. It was two things really that made up the beginning: Mm. old desktop computers that had big CRT glass in it, and and in America and around the world, televisions used to be furniture. When my grandparents' house, the television never changed. It was there 25, 30 years. Even in my parents' house. So we were recycling a lot of those. Those were the vast majority. Old CRT monitor desktops and old televisions uh, that had huge CRT glass in it, a lot of pressed wood, and a lot of plastic. That was really the beginnings. So at your
0: plant, what do you guys do? Do you separate out the resources? So you take the wood apart, you take the glass apart, and yeah. maybe you can give everybody like sort of like um, – because an understanding,
2: general, general understanding
0: tell yeah, you understanding what like how does it look like like e-waste recycling it's basically an e-waste recycling plant is um,
2: it, yeah well we have 10 of them now across America we're the largest in North America we cover every zip code in the United States including Alaska and Hawaii but here's the great news about e-waste that most people don't know Paul but it's a great question you're asking and I love when people ask me that question. E-waste, although it's still the fastest-growing solid waste stream in the world and has become ubiquitous to all of our lives, for better and for worse, mostly for better, that when you recycle e-waste responsibly, it's a great story. And let me explain. So now we bring in 20 million pounds a month. We separate the glass, and we crush and clean the glass, and the glass then goes to smelters, for beneficial reuse to be made into new glass products, mostly nowadays tile. It used to be when we got in the industry, it would go back to new CRT monitors. Now it's mostly for tile purposes. That's number one. The rest of the material goes into our proprietary shredders. And we built the world's largest E-Waste shredders. And what do those shredders do? They shred up the rest of the material. And here's what comes out of it in order of volume, steel, plastic, aluminum, Copper, gold, silver, palladium, lead. All of those materials get sold every month to smelters around the world. And guess what? None of it goes to a landfill. So we're zero waste, zero emissions, zero landfill. So e waste, although it's a big problem and it's the backside of the technological revolution, when done responsibly, is a great ESG circular economy story because all of the materials could go for beneficial reuse. Now, the bad part of the story that I need to share with your audience is that according to the United Nation, only about 17 and percent of all electronic waste being produced around the world is being responsibly recycled today. So for your listeners out there that are young guys like you, Tim, and like you, Paul, that wanna get involved in the sustainability revolution, in the ESG revolution, in the circular economy revolution, yeah. electronic waste recycling is still a very, very exciting uh business to get involved with because the delta of success is still eighty two and a half percent. We have a long way to go.
1: Great stuff. Yeah, and it's what what why just let me chug why this? Why do you only what do you say? Seven percent get recycled. Seventeen
2: and a half percent is why? only
1: big. Why that's 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 a huge waste. Why? I mean, there's more than one Sean Shigarian on the world. Not there's, there's only one, but there's well, as you there's said, not the only smart guy. So how yeah, can you there's
2: see? lots of people, but you know, other things people have tried to t- tackle other issues first in the ESG and circular economy: solar, uh, EV, uh, you know, electric vehicles and beautiful cars like Tesla. um, um there's all sorts of great businesses that other people have tackled. And, and they don't understand that when done right, this is a great story. So also yeah. lack of education. So to, we gotta doing these kind of uh, podcasts are so important to me because not only do I like sharing my journey, yeah. but also it's an education forum for your listeners around the world that wait a second, if I do the right thing with my electronics and get it to a responsible recycler in Italy, in the UK, in France, in Asia, it's gonna. There's a beneficial reuse for all the materials. So many people still don't even understand that. So education comes before um, uh, good actions.
1: Where, where where do you think most of the landfills uh, end up? In which area of the world? Do you do? You, is there numbers or figures? It's not or even landfills
2: know? anymore. It's it's landfills, yes, but here's what's also happening. A lot of the the e-waste that's being produced in in Europe. And, and in, in North America, are being shipped still to emerging economies like Africa, still Asia, still India, yeah. and 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 their people, human rights violations are happening there. They don't have the right tools to do this stuff, and they're still mining um, uh, precious metals out of e-waste with poor with poor yeah. conditions, and so that's still going on too. So it's not all about landfills. It's about just putting it in containers. And shipping it off our shores
1: right right so the opportunity lies in these countries really
2: yeah because they can arrive do- in masses right so Correct. It, it's a domestic opportunity to create jobs in the uk france italy all throughout europe in the united states and canada to domestically recycle because this stuff shouldn't be shipped off our shores we should be e-waste should be recycled within a three to five hundred mile radius of where that material is being used anyway Right. So domestic opportunity in every country and create more jobs.
1: What? yeah, domestic opportunities. It's interesting you say that because there's some, um, may I say, geopolitical aspect to it, right? In regards to rare earth material recycling. What do you know about this stuff? Because it's not as easy to put, pull this stuff out of e-waste, isn't it? No, and there's like I see there's like the fact of China in it as well, but you you perhaps know more about no, this
2: it's idea. a great question you yes, asked, Tim. Yeah. Rare Earths are controversial because China controls most of them, yeah. and there still hasn't been the uh perfected technology to mine them out of our old electronic waste yet. It's coming, yeah. and I believe it's gonna be here in, in potentially 2021 or 2022, yeah. but it hasn't happened yet, and that's a that's so that's an issue. I'll give you one other issue though, too. Yeah. When e-waste is shipped off the shores of UK or France or any other great country in, in Europe, or by the way, the United States as well, I'm not going to leave us out of that either. When it's shipped off its shores, which it should never be done. It used to be, it used to be that it was being shipped to emerging economies for people to mine the precious metals out of. But Department of Homeland Security has informed us as ERI goes, because they're a client of ours, that they're tracking these containers around the world. And no longer is it just being shipped to emerging economies where it's being mined for its precious metals. It's also being shipped to people who are paying the highest dollar for these containers and this is a European story and a, and, a, and a North American story as well. Who are then taking the hard drives out of these old electronics, yeah. reverse engineering the data. Yeah. And they have and they have adverse interest to the Europe's homeland security interests and the U.S.'s homeland security interests. So it's no longer, in many cases, about the metals and the precious metals. It's about homeland security and also reverse yeah. engineering information to create cybersecurity threats against European nations, U.S. and Canada and other places around the world that are trying to maintain their safety.
1: Mm -hmm. So this is why you are an end-to-end business, aren't you? Because you do the data destruction as well.
2: Correct. Correct. Data destruction has become a huge part of our business. and, and and it's and it's real and it's and it's palpable and tangible. So what do you need to do if you
1: get some hard drives, let's say from Homeland Security, right? Really sensitive data. You don't just need to shredder it, as you just said. You, you do you need to, what?
0: What do you need to do? Uh, to I, I, I think you need to make sure that the bitcoins are gone, so the guy <laughs> can't come yeah. like back ten years later and say, "Oh, I had one thousand bitcoins." Yeah. But do it, you extract the on bitcoins 1. first? I'm sure you have I, some I, I, guys I, 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 in the I, cellar, I, I, like yeah, working I, on codes I'm, I'm, to crack I'm curious <laughs> Uh,
2: gonna come one day. I just don't know what day it is, but I, I am. You're I'm, expecting, right? the call, huh? I'm expecting that call, huh? Sooner or later. So I think, even though you said that in jest, I think that call is gonna come one day. Honest to God.
1: Yeah, like, oh shit, Sean, I got some. Did, yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. My call, call, call was in that hard drive and it controls two hundred and fifty million dollars. What
1: but, do you want me? But, but, but it's we are we, laughing here, but it's real. Uh, we we yes. talked about this with uh, Sebastian and um uh, and uh, Valeria. Um, a couple of months ago even but it's real there's now a job emerging of people cracking hard drives with um and it's police officer no no police officer normally cracking hard drives with a uh, cryptocurrency on it so uh yeah you will get the call i'm sure
2: <laughs> yeah it's gonna happen so yeah i mean that's, that's the next step as is, as is um you know uh batteries and solar yeah uh, are- your next step. That's the last mile of electronic waste recycling. And yeah. we intend in the next couple of weeks um, to make a big announcement about that as well, um, where we want to focus on batteries and solar. Yeah. Because that's literally the last mile of yeah. electronic waste recycling.
1: But you're still, sorry, if I ask about revenue, you don't have to give figures, but you're still making most of your revenue by selling uh, raw goods or raw materials to to melting
2: it's a great question. You're asking a brilliant question, Tim. The answer seven years ago was yes. Yeah. The answer today is no. Yeah. We've become a service. Yeah. We've become a service business and no longer rely on our commodity sales. We did when we started the company. Yeah. But the evolution of the business because of data and 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 the rise of the the, the concurrent rise of cybersecurity and the threats that, that exist.
1: Yeah.
2: With E, the, the the rise of the sustainability ESG circular economy generation, which I'm going to call Tim and Paul's generation, which is my children's generation. Right. Those have Now crossed over and we live in the middle of that. So we are able to become a service related business now and charge higher fees and therefore not rely on the commodity sales anymore. Yeah. Like we used to. Because those prices
1: are volatile, volatile, aren't they?
2: Yeah. But say that again.
1: Those prices are volatile as well, aren't they?
2: are very volatile, and we don't want to be. We don't want to be. We want to be immune to the vicissitudes. Our success uh, wants to be immune to the vicissitudes of the commodity markets because we offer such an important service. And yeah. so that's what's happened now. We've evolved to be a service company and no longer a commodity-based company. And that's where we live now. That's where the revenue uh, is is driven in the profit margin as well
1: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. Yeah, great stuff. Um, we, we unfortunately have to address it, but the COVID, how did it change your business in a nutshell?
2: It's, it's a great question. And you know, like you said, we were talking, you know, before we went on the air, no one, I don't care how smart they were, they and I know so many great and smart people I get to be with. No one expected this this absolute worldwide tragedy, COVID-19, to happen. Yeah. So we have to deal with it, you know. You have to learn on the fly. And so in the beginning, um, we had to lay off furlough um, hundreds upon hundreds of employees. We had 1,100 employees. Uh, uh, almost 900 of them were furloughed in the beginning. And then we, uh, we never closed our business because we're seen in the United States as an essential business. And our, because of Dope Department of Homeland Security and so many great clients like that, they gave us uh, letters of permission to stay open to be able to continue to serve them and the other cities and states and important entities that we have to service. So we were open every day during the COVID uh, tragedy. Um, and then we started slowly bringing people back. And now we're, we're back to where we uh, were before. But like I said to our company, I do a monthly town hall discussion. And what I never liked that the media kept saying is, hey, we're gonna, it's this many months or this long until we get back to a new normal. And I don't like the term new normal at all. I think it's, I think it's a white flag of surrender. And I, and I say, when we get through this, science wins, and it is going to win. This is what my message is every month to my team. We're going to be a new better as a company. We're going to be a new better. So we have to aim to come through this as a new, better entity. And we've improved everywhere. We've improved our operations. We've improved our technology. We've improved our, our sales and marketing. Um, and everywhere that we could be, we've improved. And in a, about a week or so, um, around April 1st, we're gonna may- be making a very, very, very big announcement about a new partnership we have, which all happened during this tragic period. And it's gonna um, create um, uh, a new decade of activity for us. That's gonna be game-changing because we're the only company recycler in the world, Tim and Paul, I forgot to mention this earlier. That yeah. have two downstream partners as investors in our company. Um, Alcoa is an investor and sit on our board, the famous brand, and LS Nikko Copper. And uh, LS Nikko Copper is a combination of the L- famous LG family from South yeah. Korea. And Nico is JX in Japan. It's the, it's the largest energy company and metal mining company in Japan. So yeah. we have the benefit of having the most radical transparency on our downstream because they get all our precious metals and our copper and our aluminum, and they also sit on our board. So we also have the most unique uh, uh, paradigm of expertise on our board. Well, we're right. about to now do that with a new brand uh, of an, an, an investor uh, and a, a new board member in the next coming week or so. And again, it's going to continue to evolve the recycling world and create radical transparency on the downstream. But with regards to COVID, we're, we're going to come out a new better. And as science continues to win, we're very excited about the future, more excited about the future than ever before.
0: So now I have a tricky question for you. Ahead. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, to e-waste, an electric car, Tesla. Yeah. Would you consider that e-waste? Would they get recycled in one of your plants? That's a great
2: question. No, no, Paul, you're asking a brilliant question. Why has e-waste become the fastest-growing solid waste stream by an order to of order magnitude of five? Well, think of what didn't exist when I started the company. First of all, when I started the company, there was no iPad or no iPhone. EV cars weren't ubiquitous. Cars of now, as you just point out with Tesla, have become computers on wheels. And about all the wearables and the internet of things our garmin watches our apple watches our nest alexa ring our white goods have now computers in them and they tell us when we're lacking in milk and eggs and they can reorder it quickly and have it delivered to your house so 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 the answer is the answer is yes the answer the answer is um we these car companies tesla has become a client of ours. For the reasons you just said so you <laughs> it was an Alexa in the background so she started talking see that <laughs>
0: <laughs> always listening always listening you have a but, um, let me let, like but another it. question so, um because you're saying e-waste what what is one of the craziest things you guys had to recycle have you ever put satellites through that thing or i'm just curious like what was the most unexpected kind no, of I'm e-waste not
1: sure he can tell you mate.
2: How about sex toys? Okay. sex toys? Especially during the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. You asked, for, I'm telling you. What?
1: Well, do they have computers in it as well? Like micro... Yeah.
2: And batteries. And so, oh, not, oh,
1: for yeah.
2: our clients, everything with a battery has to come to us now. And this, again, yeah. wasn't... It wasn't a big, big deal, but now batteries have become the big last mile of electronic waste.
1: Yeah, I'm, Imagine.
0: Not gonna, I'm not gonna hey, ask I I you hey, <laughs> hey John, I have six containers of sex toys. <laughs> Could you Sometimes well, they don't pay
2: that, they just the containers show up and we open them and we go, what what? <laughs> 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 oh, okay uh,
0: jokes aside um yeah so sex toys aside anyway let's talk about something else um during lockdown oh, so everybody yeah. somehow you asked for yeah well no, 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 if you ask you get an answer it's okay um so, so during the pandemic everybody somehow discovered himself like a lockdown gadget so what was what was your gadget how did you keep yourself sane what was your Little toy.
2: Well, my lockdown <laughs> You know, sometimes the, the, the life of an entrepreneur. It, it's I shouldn't say sometimes. I have to be. You know, I gotta put it out there. And I've shared this with my children. And and at the beginning they didn't get it, but they get it now. Um, it's a lonely existence. It's you know life as an entrepreneur. Be pre, pre-COVID. You know, I don't care how nice your hotel is. I don't care how uh, what class and you sit in the plane. You're still, it's, a, it's, a, it's, when you're in an airport and you don't know anybody, even if there's a million people in, in the middle of Dubai Airport or Heathrow or JFK, it could be a very lonely, lonely road. And the same goes for sleeping in wonderful and beautiful hotels. Um, when you go to bed alone at night, it's, it's, it's still alone at night. And so my gadget of choice since it came out and I live on it, um, and, I, and it's done me well throughout the pandemic. I have two iPads that go with me everywhere, um, always, in case one breaks as a backup, in case out one runs out of juice. But I've run the company since the iPad come out. I've never owned a, 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 a laptop that I've used, and it's always been I've run the company off of my uh, 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 my iPads wherever I am in the world. So iPads are the greatest – I think some of the greatest inventions that we've ever seen in terms of technology.
0: So, so you're an Apple man.
2: Well, I'm going to, I'm going I'm <laughs> to qualify, but this is my cell phone and this is an Android and it's a Samsung. Um, so, uh, so I love my Android phones. I love my, uh, uh, my Apple uh, uh, iPads and I love my Garmin watch, which tracks everything I do. So,
0: uh, so, so let's speak about the Garmin watch. So, are you a runner,
2: marathons? Uh, what do you do? Box and bike. I box and I bike.
0: Do you mountain bike or you road
2: cycle? Or- I, I, I bike what it's called. I know you have one in, in the UK because I've used it before. You have Soul Cycle, so I love. I'm a Soul Cycle guy, and 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 then I'm when I when I when I'm in a boxing studio, I go to box. And I'll tell you my greatest my my greatest hack. No matter what hotel in the world, people say, well, the, when I get to the hotel, John, the, the gym is closed and this other thing. And so I, I, I tell people the greatest way to exercise in any hotel you go to in the world is you go to the top floor and uh, you take the elevator down to the near the bottom floor, typically floor number three. And then you go to the fire exit and you go on the stairwell and then you climb to, you climb to the roof again. And you do that about 10 times. Hopefully the hotel is tall. It will. It will. That's the greatest cardio exercise anyone can do. You don't come down the stairs. You never want to come down to your, the stairs because it's a four times concussion on your knees and your back, and very hard on your skeletal system. But you want to go up, and you want to go up first one by one, and then eventually, as your body warms up, you go up two by two. And it's the greatest workout, cardio workout you can get.
1: Did you learn that in New York? In New York's boxing gyms, or uh,
2: because I, I, you're you're a New Yorker by um
1: I'm, I'm uh,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting who taught me that. I want to say it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I, I, ah.
0: I'm pretty
2: sure. Ah, I tra- no, he's I traveled with him a lot when I when he was the governor. I traveled with him, and I learned that hack from him. He says, "Don't worry about the gyms, John. We're just going to go through the stairs." And I said, "Okay." I didn't know what he meant. And so, because sometimes we'd end up in a hotel in, in Asia or somewhere. We traveled the world, Europe. I went on trade yeah. missions with him. I sat on his trade council and I, and, and we traveled and his first rules, whenever we got to a city, we go exercise first. And, um, and so it was a, uh, it's a great, it's a great lesson because look at how healthy he's been his whole life and what a career he's had. And, uh, and, and he's always so sharp in the mind. So I think I learned that from him and I'll tell you what, it served me well and everyone I tell it to tries it. And I'll tell you, they tell me they love it because nothing gets your, your heart stronger and your lungs stronger than climbing stairs. Uh, you can do a lot of other stuff, uh, but that's that's a great hack.
0: I just have this image in front of my eyes now. <laughs>
2: John and Arnold
0: running up and down some staircase, Rocky Balboa moment with yeah. Eye of the Tiger in the background. Pretty much and then it. you both start shadow boxing in front of in the elevator going back down to the ground floor. Amazing. Pretty much. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, how, how would, so you're saying, so to, to, to look forward, so you're saying the business has grown so much over the last couple of months and uh, over the last couple of years. So how do you see it? further growing in the next 10 years. And what would you like to see in terms of change from people and in terms of change from governments when
2: it comes to e-waste and being more responsible? Great question. I want more governments to outlaw this e-waste from landfills. It's only outlawed in about 25 states in America. It should be outlawed in every state. It should be outlawed in France and your UK and everywhere. It has no business going in landfills, as I said, because everything, when it's responsibly recycled, can go can go to beneficial reuse, number one. Number two, I wanna become a household name. I want, I want it to be easy to recycle. So when you go to the supermarket or anywhere, there'll be a bin that you can just drop your old material in and you'll know that the, your data's not gonna get into the wrong people's hands and that it's not gonna go to a landfill or be shipped off to Africa or somewhere else. So I want it to be easy because one of the main pillars of, of good legitimate recycling is making it easy, making it accessible for everybody. And um, and we haven't done that yet anywhere in the world. And we got to do more of that. So more regulation out of the landfills, uh, make it even illegal to ship it off your shores in the UK, France, EU and the United States and make it a domestic opportunity to create jobs and to make the world a better place.
0: Oh, that's great. And with that said, I think we're going to come to an end. And we would like to give you the stage, John, to leave something for the generations to come.
2: And um, yeah, the last words are always with our guests. Thank you. So it is all you. Thank you. You know, this is I was very early when I started this company. I, and I could have very easily become the MySpace of our industry. Most of my competitors went away. They um um they they just they just couldn't weather the storm. And so Instead of becoming the MySpace, I believe we're going to become the Netflix. But I share that only as an example that this is the greatest opportunity right now. Now the train has come into the station. ESG, Circular Economy and Sustainability, is now just pulling into the station. Not when I came into the business. I was way early. So this is a generational opportunity for Tim, Paul, and your generation and younger people to jump on the sustainability train and become a circular economy entrepreneur. We're gonna go from a linear economy now to a circular economy, and trillions of dollars of of how business is done is gonna shift from this linear economy to a circular economy. And there's gonna be tons, newly minted millionaires and billionaire entrepreneurs that go and create water recycling opportunities food recycling opportunities, apparel recycling opportunities, and electronic waste recycling opportunities, and many other segments as well. This is your time. It's not, it's, it's literally the top of the first inning. Jump on the train and go change the world and make it a better place.
0: So, Tim, we got inspired and we got invited for dinner. Um, <laughs> once, once John can fly over here, then we can go for some curry. Do we, do we
1: have that on record, though? Because um, um, <laughs> I'm not nah, sure. He's he, he,
0: he, he, he a man looks, of his word. He, he will... looks actually like a man of his word. So um, it's really yeah. great. And I hope we hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And if you guys want to get more information, please feel free to reach out to John or to us. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Great, I loved it, um, especially the sex toy containers. Yeah, that was that's, clear. The first, that's the first one. Um,
1: that's the as well, yeah. I mean,
0: I ask about satellites. Sorry, like, I didn't know that that one was coming back, but this was a good, um, devasion, you know. Like,
1: <laughs> I wonder about those, um, you know, those uh, certain robots, especially popular, I guess, or getting popular in Japan.
0: Oh, God, Tim, let's not get into details, mate. Okay, anyways, with Uptime Punk, something else. Yeah, when you ask questions, you get answers. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed the episode, and please feel free to follow us on LinkedIn, Uptime Punk's official, and please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast, and... Wherever you yeah. can
1: find podcasts.
0: In and stay safe, and we hope you got the jab already. If you don't have a jab, then it will come. It will be on its way. So, um, yeah, stay safe. Thanks. Cheers, bye.